Today on episode 16 of Raising Financial Freedom, we are going to talk about credit. And joining us today will be Daniel Massimino, the founder of Credit Connection. Now, credit is one of the first things that our children are going to bump into. That and school debt. Today, we'll be taking a look into credit and it won't be our last time that we look at it. We're definitely going to be taking a look at credit throughout the year more than once and at several angles. Daniel is here with us today to take a look at the good, the bad, and the ugly when it comes to credit. He's also here to share gems with us about how to start your child off into credit the right way. So yeah, let's start this. Do you hear her? I do. Dad, hurry up and turn on the music. Have you ever wondered why some people seem to have it all financially? Do well-off parents simply hand their children money? Or is there more to this wealth thing? Welcome to Raising Financial Freedom, the podcast. We are here to talk about everything you never knew to teach your children when it comes to starting their financial future. The principles behind wealth and methods that are out there to teach your child about personal financial freedom. There is no real trick to earning other than learning. We are here to discuss, teach, and grow with you. Raising Financial Freedom, the podcast. With your host and concerned parent, Eric Yard. Let us get right into today's show. Welcome to another episode of Raising Financial Freedom. I would like to welcome Daniel Massimino. Daniel, tell me, in your opinion, why so many people have problems with credit? I think most people have the wrong information or don't even aren't even aware of the impact that credit plays on their life and especially how much money it ends up costing you over the course of a lifetime. And I don't think that people really see the effects of having bad credit until some life goes on, some life events happen, you know, they finish college, they get a job and they're settling into their job and now they're they're looking to buy a car, they're looking to buy a house, they're looking to start a family and now they start to see the impact of what not having credit at all has on their life or having bad credit has on their life. When I was going to school, when I went to college, I would I remember like the first week or second week, there were credit card people sitting in front of the campus signing people up. Now, in your opinion, why do credit card companies do this tactic and they're basically talking to people who don't have any job? I've never thought about that. I did go to college prior to dropping out and I don't recall any credit card people being there, but that's credit card companies are at the end of the day, they're businesses. How do they make money? They make money through interest. And so by giving credit cards to uneducated consumers, they're most likely going to carry a balance, which is going to result in interest. And so they're going to make some money. A very small portion of credit card companies' revenue is generated from the actual processing cost of just them being a credit card. Most of their money is made from right. interest. So I would, I would imagine that's why. I would call that predatory if it was up right. to me or, or a failure of the education system to teach people right. about credit. Because as I thought about it, I'm like, I have a credit card and I don't have a job. How did this happen? <laughs> and my mother took it away from me real quick. <laughs> uh, you have a good mother. So when it comes to credit, what is the biggest challenge most people have to overcome? I think that the biggest challenge that people have to overcome with credit is really this belief pattern that debt is bad and what debt 
should be used for versus what we use it for, especially here in the United States. In the United States, we're, we're very consumer oriented. We like to buy things we don't need. And that's what a majority of people use their credit for is to buy things they don't need. And if you look at wealthy people, I'm fortunate enough to have known know some pretty wealthy, successful people personally, and almost all of them, except one that I can think of, used debt, other people's money, credit to get rich. And that's what they don't teach us. And so we, especially in lower to middle class areas, where we have this idea passed down from our parents, at least where I grew up and some other people I know, that credit is bad. You should be buying things in cash. You have the Dave Ramseys of the world and the Susie Orman saying, debt is bad, use cash. And that's like the the worst advice that I that anyone could ever give you. Because if you look at the biggest companies in the world, Apple, perfect example, has $250 billion in cash and they still finance things using other people's money. It's like, why do they do that? And so I, I think it all boils down to just this thought and this beliefs that we have that credit is bad and debt is bad. Right. But in your opinion, what should credit be used for? Credit, you can use it for a few things. Personally, one of my favorite things to do is to buy time. And so how do I buy time? And what does that mean? So for me, I'm extremely busy. And so say I want to learn something, right? I could take, I'm a pretty smart guy. I could take the time out of my day to sit down and learn something, read the books, do trial and error, get experience, fail, learn. Or I could pay a coach or a mentor or buy a a course to learn that stuff very quickly. That's just a personal example. But just as a generality, credit should be used to as leverage to advance in life. So you could use credit to buy properties, very common one. You could use credit to invest into a startup business, or if say you already have a business, you could use credit to invest in yourself, like I said, through knowledge, or maybe putting yourself in a better position for success. Maybe you need to move to a different area where there's more opportunity, or maybe maybe you need to invest into some advertising for your business so you can start to get ahead. Maybe you need to hire employees. Maybe say you're a contractor and having a, a new piece of equipment that you don't currently have could give you the opportunity to get more business that you can generate more revenue. Credit to buy a house. Obviously, you can buy a house. Me personally, I follow the philosophy that you should rent where you live and own what you rent, but that's just my personal philosophy. Basically, credit should be used for anything that you can get a return on and not depreciating assets. So the common things that people buy credit with, I'll give you an example, like my mom growing up, she would buy a lot of clothes and shoes and things like that. And those things are instantly depreciating. So not only do you have to pay interest on them, but you're also immediately losing money. Financing a new car, even if you get it at 0% interest, it a, a car in the first year, a brand new one, is going to depreciate right. 30%. Whereas you could put, you could get an investment property. Sure, maybe you're paying 5% interest on that yearly, but you know you could be re- making a return of 10% yearly. So although you're paying to, ca- the, to carry the cash, essentially the cost of the money, you're still making a return using the bank's money. So basically anything that you could use to get a return is what I would use credit Good for. Point. What can a parent do to start their child off in the right path of credit? And can you give us some action steps? Yeah, for sure. I would say first thing, if you have good credit yourself and you have credit cards, the the best thing you can do is add your child on on as an authorized user on all of your credit cards. Not so that they, you don't even have to give them the credit cards, but when you do that, 
you're putting them drastically ahead because now they're going to have payment history, positive payment history and positive payment experiences on their credit report, which is going to set them years ahead of another child. I'm not a parent myself, but I suppose there's probably some lessons, I guess you could teach them on credit. Maybe you could give them access to one of your credit cards to maybe buy, I don't know what you need to buy as a child, but when you're like 16 to 18, when you're like going out to eat, you just get your license, you're buying gas, you know, maybe you could give them a credit card that they can pay for their gas on and make sure that they pay it every month. And then there's probably, I don't know, 10 to 20 starter like credit building accounts that you could set up for them that were going to really start to build their credit profile. By the time they're 20, they'll be able to get approved for a house at a, a really good interest rate. There's so many things that you could do, but the number one thing I would do is add them as an authorized user. Oh, on wow. Credit Sounds card. good. So since you've been in, in credit, what is the craziest thing you've seen in your line of business? That, it's funny, but there's nothing in our industry specifically. There is a lot of predatory service providers or companies because we are we are dealing with people that are extremely vulnerable. So I won't say that's crazy because there's there's bad actors in every business. But for the most part, after you talk to enough people, it pretty much boils down to the you know, the same general issues that people face. And another common misconception that people have, especially about people with bad credit, is that hey, they don't pay their bills or they're bad people or they don't know how to manage their their business. And I'm here to tell you, I've had customers that are homeless and I've had customers that are worth $20 million, both experiencing issues mm -hmm. with their credit. So it doesn't um, matter where you what walk of life you come from. I think, like I said in the beginning, it just comes down to having the right information and then also actively keeping tabs on your credit, making sure that there's no errors, making sure that your credit cards aren't reporting late. And like I just had last month myself, I had, I missed a payment on a credit card because I switched bank accounts and it, oh, it just really? slipped my mind. And yeah, yeah. I had it set up on auto pay. And so it's just things like that, but I haven't seen anything too, too, I don't, nothing out of this world as far as like issues. It's just really common things. People get divorces. That's a really you know, big one for reasons, having bad credit. The wife says, hey, I don't want to pay for the house anymore. The husband says, screw you. I'm not paying for the, the car. And now they both have bad credit. And then that's going to follow them for at least seven years. Oh, I so, never thought about it that uh, way. Yeah, divorce is a really common wow. one. How does the divorce affect credit? And what, I'm trying to think the angle, but I'm not. The divorce itself doesn't have anything to do with the credit. But what happens typically in a marriage, the maybe the, the husband, some it depends because some couples have a shared bank account and all the money comes out of that. And some couples, like my parents, for instance, my dad pays for the car insurance, my mom pays for the house. Say they were to get divorced. Now the, the, the man's like, I'm not paying for your car anymore. And the woman's like, screw you, I'm not paying for the house. And then bills just don't get paid. And now they late payments start to rack up. Things start to go into collections. It's just a very common theme among divorces. Another one, entrepreneurs, business, successful entrepreneurs and unsuccessful entrepreneurs. Pretty much every entrepreneur fails at one point or another. And you know, and also it's very, it's very inconsistent when you're first starting your business. So entrepreneurs tend to have bad credit. <laughs> and then you have like your college kids, right? They just don't know anything about credit. They get a credit, they get that credit card from that that guy trying to get people to sign up for credit cards and then they spend it on beer and then they're like, All right, I'm not, I'm just not paying for this, not realizing the the effects that it's going to have on them for a decent 
portion yeah. of their life. When did you realize you had a passion for credit repair? Probably, it's not so much. I have a passion for helping people and that's just ingrained in me from my parents. They just really like to help people. If you called my dad and said, hey, Dan, my dad's name's also Dan. I'm stuck on the side of the road. I have a flat tire. Can you help me out? He wouldn't even ask you who you are. He'd be like, all right, I'm coming to help you. And so I just enjoy helping people. And then also being that I filed bankruptcy when I was 21 for my first business and then seeing the effects that had on pretty much every area of my life moving forward, I understood the real world problem that it has for people. And so understanding the problem and enjoying helping people just makes me enjoy it. And then a large part of it is talking to business owners. I mean, we do repair credit, but then we also help business owners build business credit and get access to business funding so they can either start, grow, or scale their business. And so that in itself is just really fun because I get to talk to you know business owners in every industry you could imagine doing all sorts of amazing things. And I get to learn so much about different areas of you know business that I would have never um, had the opportunity to otherwise. So you said before that you don't have a child, but let's just say you do have, what would be, what would, steps would you take to get them on the right path personally? I haven't put a lot of thought into how I would want to, I guess, be a parent. I do know that at least for me, I think having a strong work ethic is important and not being handed everything. But then on the other side of that, I think about like me, if I had a child, I'd probably want to, I'd probably want to give them, you know, a life that I maybe didn't have. So I don't, I'm not too sure where I stand on that yet. But I probably would want them to get a job. I'd want them to start to, I don't want to say, see, there's two sides of it. Because if you make a kid, if you make a kid have too many responsibilities early on and not give them access to different learning opportunities and different experiences, it's possible that kid will maybe won't find what they really enjoy in life. And so I think about that. I'll give you an example. For me, like I've always, for some reason, wanted to play the piano. Growing up, my, my parents did the best they could, but I grew up in a middle-class area. My dad got disabled when I was 12. So it's not like they could afford to get me a piano instructor. And so I think about that. Like, could I be really great at playing the piano if I was afforded the opportunity to play the piano? And would I want my child to have the opportunity to follow different experiences, different passions, different hobbies, and see what they really enjoy? And I lean towards the, the side of, I would want to, if I could, if I had the means, which I work my ass off so that I can take care of my family in the future. I probably would want to, but I think just instilling, you know, good morals and values probably would carry itself a lot just in credit particular. Credit and and money, it's pretty simple. Make sure you you pay you pay what you owe, right, on time, which I think is just a moral that you could that's instilled in children and also saving. I would probably start a savings account for them probably when they're born. I know there's a specific college savings account. I can't think off at the top of my head. And that's what I would do. And then once they're at the age where they can start to, they start to have an idea of what money is, maybe come up with some creative ways to have them to start contribute to that savings and then show them what that will be when they're 40 or 50 and what that could amount to. For instance, I'm on a $1,300 a month savings plan right now, which it just at the average rate of return will be worth about 10 million by the time I'm 65, which is staggering because it's only 600. It's a total of $620,000 that I will have invested. and It'll be worth 10 million when I retire. 
So that's pretty amazing. And I think if you could show a child what that could amount to, it would be pretty awesome. You show that to a lot of people that would amount to, I think it would be pretty awesome when they think about it. (laughs) It blew my mind. It really blew my mind. Because up until this point in my life, I've been, you know, trying to find my path. Like I said, my first business failed and this business is going well. And so I never really focused too much on the saving part of it. I've focused more on the, the earning part because you can only cut your expenses and save so much, but you can earn unlimited amounts of money. And so when I look at what has more upside, trying to save or trying to earn, earning has way more upside. And uh, the world we live in today, there's so much opportunity. I like to keep my focus there. And then I heard a good rule of thumb once which was you need to get a point to a point in your life where you can save 40% of your income. And uh, that was really impactful because there's something amazing that happens once you start saving 40% of your income and it's your savings starts to grow really quickly. And so you have two ways to get there. You can either, you know, say you make the average $52,000 a year, but to get to, to save 40% of your income would be pretty difficult because at $52,000 a year with living expenses, rent, or if you have a mortgage, Got to pay for a car, gas, um, food, clothes, get insurance. There's a lot of expenses, right? So saving forty percent would be pretty difficult. But if you could increase your income, say to a hundred thousand, keep your standard of living the same, you could save forty percent pretty easily. So, what is the one thing people don't realize about credit? I would say that credit is a is a tool, like what I was getting at earlier, where. Credit is a tool that, if used correctly, can help you get leaps ahead in life. And if it's used incorrectly, it can put you way behind. A common example, if you have a a 550 credit score, it used to be you wouldn't be able to get approved for a car loan. Nowadays, you have companies like Carvana that will approve anyone for a car loan. But they're going to give you a 28% interest rate. And so by the time you're done paying for that car, you're paying double the price. Whereas if you just, maybe if you had a 700 credit score, you're paying half the price of the person with the 600. So when you look at that, it's a lot of money. Just on a, a $10,000 car, the difference is about 10,000 over five years. Most people finance a car over five years. And so it's like that in itself is a lot of, it adds up. But then on the other side of it, like I was explaining, if you had good credit, and say you had a business with a business and good credit, you can easily get fifty to one hundred and fifty thousand dollars in business credit cards. And to give you an example, if you were to just invest that money into something like Facebook ads, and you were in my business, where Facebook ad generally returns five five times on the dollar. So in other words, I put a dollar into Facebook ads and I make five. I could use that hundred thousand dollars in in business credit cards for Facebook ads. And now I can generate $500,000 in revenue. And that will drastically put my business ahead of where it would be if I just started with zero. The other side of it is that there's a risk that comes with it. So if you use business credit, particularly correctly, it's non-personally guaranteed, which means if your business failed, you wouldn't be personally liable for it. And again, there's a lot to it, but at the very simplest form, credit is a tool that that should be used on things that get you a return in life and not for things that depreciate like cars, jewelry, clothes, things that add no real value to your life. Obviously, if you don't have clothes, well, yeah, you need some clothes, right? (laughs) But you get the point. You definitely need some clothes. All right, Daniel, I want to thank you for coming out to the show. 
let the listeners know where they can find you, how they can get in reach with you, and what you have coming up in the future. Yeah, so the easiest way to get in touch with me would be through Instagram. That would be at dan.pgh or Instagram at the credit connection. In the future, really have two major things going on. One, be moving more towards providing a full suite of services for small business owners outside of just credit and finance for all the boring things like bookkeeping, marketing, social media management, basically everything that business owners don't have time for but need to do. And the other thing, more more education, maybe some courses around credit and finance and ways to get ahead in life. Now, with talking with Daniel, I learned a lot of action steps that I can take today with the main one being if you have good credit, put your child on your credit cards right now so you could start their credit history today. Whether you're for credit or against credit, why not get them started on the right step in order for them to know what exactly is going on with their credit. Another great point that I taken out of that conversation was leverage credit to get assets, not liabilities. Now, you know, this is not being taught in schools. So tell me what is stopping you from teaching your child about this? Now, coming up next week, I have a treat for you. A teacher of financial literacy will be coming on the show. So that should be fun. Like always, share with other parents, subscribe and help us change one parent at a time. Until next week, stay safe. We really hope you enjoyed this episode of Raising Financial Freedom, the podcast. Stay connected with us directly through RaisingFinancialFreedom.com. You can also join the discussion on social media, which you can also find links on our website. If you would like to speak with us, please send us an email through info at RaisingFinancialFreedom.com. And as always, thank you for pushing your mindset towards a better reality. This concludes the most thought-provoking portion of your day. Don't forget to please like and subscribe to stay fully up to date. Until next time, be kind to yourself and each other.